We're going to be looking at a couple of different chapters in Hosea this morning. Hosea chapter 8 as well as uh, chapter 10. Hosea chapter 8 and also Hosea chapter number 10. I have thoroughly enjoyed preaching through the book of Hosea, and uh, God has certainly used it to challenge my heart and mind as I have taken some time to think about what God was saying to his people in these days and how applicable it is to the day and age in which we live. It's, it's really, feel like you're opening today's newspaper and uh, reading what God has to say to them. You feel like he's saying the same thing to us. And uh, there's so many applications and so many things that we can gain and learn from uh, the book of Hosea. But there's a couple of themes uh, in chapter 8 and chapter 10 that uh, I'd like to draw your attention to this morning. And it has to do with the subject of sowing and reaping. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, I like corn. I brought an ear of corn with me this morning. Corn is absolutely amazing. Uh, people make fuel out of this. Uh, obviously, I enjoy eating it. Uh, my wife and I were talking uh, the other day about uh, putting some of some fresh corn on our smoker. I don't know if you've ever had corn like that, but it is amazing. Uh, cream style corn, corn on the cob, etc., etc., etc. But corn is amazing. But one of the reasons it's amazing is because it is a, a perfect picture, a beautiful picture of the law of sowing and reaping. If you think about corn, this is an ear of corn, and an average ear of corn has about 600 kernels on it. Now, I did not take the time to count and see if this is an average ear of corn, but let's pretend that it is, 600 kernels of corn. This ear of corn came from one kernel. So one kernel of corn produces an average of one to two ears per stalk. So if there's one ear on the stalk, you've got about 600 kernels, but it does have the potential uh, to produce two ears on some stalks, so that would be about 1,200 kernels. So imagine that, one kernel of corn producing between 600 and 1,200 kernels of corn. So there's three principles that I believe that we learn from nature, but I also believe, most importantly, that we learn from Scripture about the law of sowing and reaping. First of all, you reap what you sow. If I want to grow this, I don't plant strawberry seeds, right? If I want to grow this, I don't plant beans. If I want to grow corn, what do I need to plant? I need to plant corn. We reap what we sow. So if I want in my life to reap the right things, I need to sow the right things. If I want a harvest of strawberries, I need to sow strawberries. If I want a harvest of peaches, I need to plant peach trees. I am going to reap what I sow. There's another principle of sowing and reaping that says that I'm going to reap later than I sow, right? I don't go out, plant a seed of corn, and then pick the corn tomorrow, right? 
it takes between 90 and 120 days for, from the time that you plant the seed in the earth for that seed to germinate. It's got to be uh, fertilized. It's got it's to have all the nutrients. It's got to break through the ground. That little stalk's got to come up, and it's got to produce fruit. So that takes between 90 and 100 days, three, or excuse me, 90 and 120 days, three to four months from the time I plant the seed into the ground until the time it's ready to pick off the stalk. It's going to take at least three or four months before I'm ready to do this, before I'm ready to suck the corn, right? Before I'm ready to eat it. So we reap later than we sow. And, 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 and what a lot of people don't understand and get and realize in their lives is they keep sowing all these wild oats. You've heard that, you know, you probably heard your mom or grandparents say something similar to that, at least I did growing up in the South. You sow your wild oats, and then you're going to reap a harvest later, right? And the point is that sometimes in life, because we don't see immediate results from the seeds that we're planting, we think that it's okay. We think that there's not going to be any consequences. We think that there's not going to be any problems that are going to result from the seeds that we're planting today. The problem is we reap later than we sow. The third principle of sowing and reaping is the principle I mentioned a moment ago, and that is we reap more than we sow. A farmer would quickly go out of business if he planted one kernel of corn and that produced one kernel of corn. I mean, you can't make a living that way. You can't feed people that way. You can't have a farm that way. You always reap more than you sow. So one kernel produces approximately, let's say, for sake of argument, 600 kernels. And then those 600 kernels can produce a multitude, a multitude of other ears of corn and you see the process of multiplication. We reap what we sow, we reap later than we sow, and we reap more than we sow. So what kind of seeds do you think Israel and Judah were planting in the book of Hosea? They weren't planting very good seeds. I want you to take your Bibles and uh, we're in the book, uh, excuse me, we're in the book of Hosea, we're in chapter 8, verse number 4. Let's look at some of the seeds that they were planting. The Bible says, God says through the prophet Hosea, they made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. I want you to think about that statement. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. They made idols for their own destruction. They disregarded the counsel of the Lord. And when you and I disregard God's Word, when you and I disregard the counsel of the Lord, we are planting a bad seed. We are planting a bad seed when we spurn and disregard and denounce and refuse to listen to the Word of God, we are planting a bad seed. What, what were they doing? They were choosing political leaders based upon what they thought was best for them rather than seeking God's plan and approval. They took the silver and gold that God had blessed them with 
And they were using it to make idols to bow down and worship. They took the gifts that God had given them, and rather than using those gifts for his glory, they took them and made idols out of them to worship. They were doing the same thing that Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. When we worship the creature instead of the creator, when we worship the gift instead of the giver, we are planting bad seeds. They were making idols for their own destruction. Now, in this study, we have learned that one of the things that the people were doing is they were serving and worshiping these idols because they thought that worshiping and serving these idols would bring them blessing, uh, financial blessing. They thought it would bring them uh, uh, fertility for not only their families, but also for their crops. And so they were building these idols in hopes that these idols were going to bring blessing. And God says these idols are actually going to bring destruction. You're creating things for your own destruction. And that's the way sin is. That's the way idolatry is. They promise so much, but they never ultimately deliver. They promise freedom, but they lead to bondage. They promise hope, but they lead to despair. They promise peace, but they lead to turmoil. God wanted them to understand the principle of sowing and reaping. So this is what he told them in verse 7. Chapter 8, verse 7. For they sow the wind... And they shall reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads. It shall lead no flower, it shall yield no flower. If it were to yield, strangers would devour it. Now, how many have you ever seen a farmer plant wind? Never seen it happen. I mean, if you plant wind, if you if you, if you go out into the field and uh, you have nothing in your hand and you are sowing nothing, you, you don't really expect much of a crop, right? And God says, in reality, that's exactly what Israel was doing. They were sowing nothing. They were sowing wind. They were, they were sowing things. They were worshiping these idols. They were bowing down to these idols. They were praying to these idols, expecting uh, harvest and expecting fertility and expecting all of these things, all of these financial blessings. And God says, you're just wasting your time. You're just planting wind. In, in the Old Testament, wind it often represents that which is empty, that which is futile, that which is, um, that which is nothing. Uh, you read about that in the book of Ecclesiastes when Solomon was talking about how everything was vanity, it's emptiness. It's, and God says, you think that, that these idols are going to help you. You think these idols are going to bless you. You think these idols are going to produce financial blessing and material blessings and, 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 and all of these other blessings. And he said, in reality, they're going to do just the opposite. They're, you're making these idols to your own destruction, he says. You're planting wind and you're not going to have the harvest that you think you're going to have. He says, in reality, you're going to reap more than you sow. You're planting wind. You're going to reap the what? The whirlwind. You're planting emptiness. You're planting nothing. You're, you're planting the wind, and you're going to reap the whirlwind. 
And that doesn't sound too good to me. You think about tornadoes, you think about hurricanes, you think about windstorms. What do they bring? Do they bring uh, order or chaos? Do they, do they bring uh, a harvest or do they destroy the harvest, you see? Uh, he said, you're planting the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You're going to reap more than you sow, which is one, of course, the principles of sowing and reaping. Uh, wind, uh, uh, as I said, represents futility and vanity, and that's what their idolatry amounted to. They thought they were planting seeds of self-preservation, but really they were planting seeds of self-destruction. And do we not see that today in our society? People think that they are planting seeds of self-preservation when in reality they are planting seeds of self-destruction. They're planting seeds that were worthless and insubstantial, and God says, I'm going to repay you with interest. Now, usually we like interest, but not in this context. If we are planting seeds of wind, emptiness, futility, vanity, God says, I'm going to repay you with interest. Uh, you're going to reap the whirlwind. Reap more than you sow. By the way, this is a New Testament principle as well. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. People can thumb their nose up at God and think they get away with it. God says, I am not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We think we can sow to the wind and sow the wind and sow worthless seeds and then pray for crop failure, right? God, I want to sow all these wild oaks and then I'm going to pray and ask you to let the crop fail. I want to sow to the wind and I don't want to reap the whirlwind. I want to sow to the wind and reap corn. God says it doesn't work that way. If you want to reap corn, you've got to plant seeds of corn. So let's go over them again. We reap what we sow. They sowed the wind, they're going to reap a type of wind, the whirlwind. We reap later than we sow. Hosea said they shall. In other words, it's coming. It's a future uh, episode that's coming. They shall reap the whirlwind, which is more than they sowed. So the principle of sowing and reaping can be negative, right? If we plant the wrong seeds, if we plant weeds, if we plant wind, emptiness, futility, vanity, it can be a very negative harvest. But I've got good news for you today. I want you to leave with good news. The principle of sowing and reaping can also be very, very positive. Because if you like corn, you can plant one kernel and get 600 kernels. It can be very positive. And so go to Hosea chapter 10. He's going to go back to this idea of sowing and reaping and look at what he says in verse 12. What had they been sowing? They'd been sowing the wind. But God says, you need to begin sow, uh, sowing for yourselves righteousness. Planting seeds of righteousness. 
They had been planting the seeds of wind, of emptiness, of futility, of idolatry, of all these things that meant nothing. God says, I want you to start planting different seeds. Seeds of righteousness. And reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it is the time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. It is time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Look at verse thir- uh, 13. You have plowed iniquity. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors. They have been sowing seeds of futility and emptiness. They have been sowing weeds of idolatry. And God lets them know that it's not too late to start planting new seeds. Can I, I got some good news for you. Those of us in our lives, me included, that have planted bad seeds in the past, and we, if we were honest, every single one of us would raise our hand because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all planted seeds that we wish we hadn't planted. If we, were, if we were honest, we would all say that. But God says it's not too late to start planting the right seeds. He tells Israel and Judah, it's not too late to start planting the right seeds. I believe he's saying to us today in 2021, it's not too late to start planting the right seeds. You remember the controversy that God has with Israel and Judah? We talked about it when we looked at chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. And isn't it interesting that God says that if we will sow for ourselves righteousness, we will reap steadfast love. The reason there was no steadfast love in the land is because they had not been planting the seeds of righteousness. We cannot expect corn if we plant weeds. If we want corn, we have to plant corn. If we want steadfast love in our life, we have to plant seeds of righteousness. We're going to reap what we sow. And so he says plant seeds of righteousness. The idea of righteousness is the idea of the righteousness that flows from God. It's not man-made righteousness. It's not self Uh, induce righteousness it's the righteousness that we have as new testament believers that comes from our relationship with christ says we are to plant those seeds it's not a man-made righteousness not a man-made standard but the righteousness that comes from god himself and comes through those who know him and god says we will reap his unfailing love steadfast love this love that represents god's loyalty and I think about that. When you, if you know the book of Hosea and you know how Israel and Judah had committed spiritual adultery against God and how they had raised up all these idols and how, they had, how the priest had been abusing their, uh, their office and all of these horrible and wicked and ungodly things that they were doing, yet God says it's not too late. You have an opportunity to change the harvest. 
In spite of all the sins that they had committed, in spite of the spiritual adultery and idolatry, God says, I want to demonstrate my loyalty to you. I want you to experience my steadfast love. And so he says, break up your fallow ground. Remember the parable that Jesus told about the seed, the sower and the seed? And he said the seed fell on four different types of ground. There was a stony ground, and uh, uh, the the ground that had the the, the weeds, the thorns, and the thistles, and then the ground, the seed that fell on the path that people had walked over, and the ground was very hard and very hard to penetrate. And then he said there was the good soil, the soil that had been prepared to receive the seed. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about breaking up our fallow ground. He's talking about that we prepare our hearts, we prepare our lives, we prepare our minds to be receptive to the seed of the Word of God. So we are to break up our fallow ground to prepare for the new seeds and a new harvest. Prepare our hearts and lives to receive the right seeds and prepare for the harvest. And how do we do that? He says we do that Back in uh, chapter 10, verse 12, it is time to seek the Lord. Now, you remember what Israel and Judah had been seeking? They had been seeking what the Lord could give them, right? But they really weren't seeking the Lord. They were seeking God's hand, but they weren't seeking God's heart. They were seeking the creature more than the creator. They were seeking the giver more, or the, uh, the gift more than the giver. God's word tells us it's time. It's past time. It's time to seek the Lord. Time to seek the Lord. They had uh, uh, been pursuing their own way. And God says it's time to stop pursuing your own way and to seek God and His way and His plans. How about you this morning? How about me this morning? We can't go back. We can't go back and find all the seeds that we planted and uproot them. It's just an impossibility. We can't do it. But there's a God in heaven that can forgive us that can wash us in the precious blood of Jesus and forgive us of our sin, forgive us of those seeds that we planted in the past, and He will enable us to plant new and better seeds going from this day forward. See, we we fret and we worry about the seeds of yesterday. We need to focus on what kind of seeds am I planting today? I can't change yesterday. I can't change yesterday. I can't change 10 years ago. I can't change the mistake I made five years ago. But what are we doing today? What kind of seeds are we planting today? What kind of seeds, if, if Jesus lets us live, will we plant tomorrow? See, think about this. The farmer cannot just live for today. The farmer's always thinking about tomorrow. He's thinking about cultivating the soil to get ready for the seed. He's thinking about planting the seed. Then he's got to think about fertilizing the seed and watering the seed. And then he's got to think about getting ready for the harvest. All of that happens in the future. And as he's reaping the harvest for this season, he's already thinking about next season. 
realizing that he has to be a good steward of the land that he has in order to have a good crop next year. We have to do the same. Jesus may come back tomorrow, but he may not come back until 20, 30, 40. Who knows? But we must remember every decision that we make is a seed we plant. That, that, to me, that, that should rock our world. Every decision that we make is a seed we plant. You see, the decisions that you're making today are seeds that you're planting today. And those seeds will produce a harvest in the future. I wrote some things down that I thought were convicting to me. When we lose control with our children or with our spouse, we are planting a seed and preparing for a harvest. When we read God's Word with our family, we are planting a seed and preparing for a harvest. When we make financial decisions that are born out of self-centeredness, we are planting a seed and we are preparing for a harvest. When we give cheerfully and generously, we are planting a seed and preparing for a harvest. When we look with lust upon someone of the opposite sex, we are planting a seed and we are preparing for a harvest. When we teach our boys to treat women with respect and honor as individuals created in the image of God, we are planting a seed and preparing for a harvest. When you neglect fellowship with other believers, you are planting a seed and preparing for harvest. And when you come together with God's people, filled with God's Spirit, ready to receive God's Word with a humble spirit, you are planting a seed and preparing for harvest. Are you planting the wind today? Planting worthless, meaningless, futile seeds? Are you planting weeds and thorns that will grow up and choke out the fruitful harvest that you have coming? Or are you planting good, healthy seed? You see, if we're planting meaningless seeds today or planting weeds, then we need to stop and beg God to help us exchange that packet of seeds that are worthless and meaningless and futile for His good seed. And if you're planting good seed today, don't give up. Don't give up. Because unlike the 90 to 120 days it takes for this to grow, it may take years, decades, for the seeds that you're planting today to produce a harvest down the road. Matter of fact, you may not even see the harvest in your lifetime. It might be in your grandchildren, or your great-grandchildren, or your great-great-great-grandchildren that you'll never meet 
until they get to heaven. Maybe they'll walk up to you and tug on your white robe and say, thank you for planting that seed in the life of my mom or dad. We reap what we sow. We reap later than we sow. And we reap more than we sow. What kind of harvest do you want? I think anybody, and excuse me if I'm being a little harsh here, but I think anybody with a brain wants a good harvest. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want a good harvest? If we want a good harvest, we've got to plant good seed. We've got to be patient. We've got to wait. And we've got to be faithful. Think about what Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 when he, when he elaborated on all of the things about the resurrection in that chapter. There were so many deep and uh, amazing uh, truths in that chapter. And at the end, he says, because of the hope that we have in the resurrection, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Get that. Everything you do for the glory of God, everything you do uh, for, for, for God and His kingdom, everything that you do with the right motive is never in vain. It is never planting the wind. It is planting good seed. It is planting good seed. Paul would go on to say in the book of Galatians, I mentioned a passage in Galatians earlier, and he concludes, he says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Farming is tiring, hard work with long hours Paul says spiritually it's the same way. It's easy to get weary. It's easy to get tired. It's easy to get frustrated when we don't see an immediate harvest. He says don't grow weary of doing good. For in due season. We don't know when due season is. But God does. That's where faith comes into play, by the way. That's where faith comes into play. That I'm going to trust God in His Word that if I plant the right seeds, God's going to take care of the harvest. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. It's not It's not my responsibility to make that seed grow. It's my responsibility to plant the seed. It's my responsibility to water the seed. It's my responsibility to fertilize the seed. But I ultimately cannot make it grow. That's up to God. So I'm going to plant. I'm going to water. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fertilize. And I, by God's grace, am not going to grow weary in well-doing because God promises that there will be a harvest. If, he says it's conditional, 
What does it say? If we do not give up. If we faint not. Have you ever felt like giving up? We've all been there. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard day after day after day after day to keep planting the seeds when we don't feel like we're seeing any results. The results are not up to us. The results are up to God. God says you plant the seeds. You plant the right seeds. You'll see a harvest like anything you've ever dreamed of. Would everybody that's in our D group stand? Julio, Ernie, Iron, Mary. We've got a few people that aren't in the building. Tony, Patty, my wife, Michael Ann. I'm sure I'm missing some people. Um, just remain standing for just a second, if you will. So on uh, Sunday nights, there's four or five ladies that get together for Bible study. On Monday nights, there's five of us guys that get together for Bible study. And on Bobby, you should be standing too. On Wednesday morning, there's three of us guys that get together for Bible study. So 5 and 5 is 10, 10 and 3 is 13. So about 13, 14 people, they get together every week for Bible study. At, in March, we had a, had a, a, a conference, and, and um, we encouraged people, if they want to be a part of a D group, a discipleship group, to sign up, and, and um, we ended up with 13 people. The goal is that hopefully most, if not all, of the individuals that are in a D group this year will be leading a D group next year. So somebody that's good at math, tell, tell me what 13 times 3 is. 39? Is that right? 13 times 3. Is that 39? All right, so we got 13 people right now. If each of them would lead a group next year of three people, be about 39 people, if my math is right. If it's not wrong, you can correct me later. Or if it is wrong, you can correct me later. The point is, we're planting seeds. And each of the people that are involved in uh, discipleship, whether they're involved in a D group or not, they could still be involved in discipleship. These are the people that are involved in our D group. And each one of these individuals represents a seed. And they're planting themselves in the Word of God every day, reading God's Word, journaling God's Word, praying, coming together to share what God's been teaching them. And then at the end of next year, it'd be cool if we had 39 D groups started. Whatever 39 times 3 is, or we do the math. You see the power of multiplication. Thank you, folks. You can be seated. Just a visual illustration of this right here. Because as wonderful as corn is, souls are so much better.
Because this is just temporary. Things that we see with our eyes are just temporary. The souls inside of these individuals and inside of your body and my body are eternal. Eternal. And the precious teenagers and the precious children in junior church and nursery have eternal souls. And as a church, we want to invest in their lives and plant seeds in their lives, the right seeds, so that when they are old, hopefully they will not depart from it. The power of sowing and reaping. We've seen the negative. We've seen the positive. And the question that we all must answer is, what seeds are we going to plant? We can't control the harvest. We can't control what any other seeds anybody else is going to sow. But what seeds are we going to plant? What raw materials are we going to say, God, you take these raw materials and do with what I could never do with? There's a little boy a couple thousand years ago that handed Jesus a few fish and a few pieces of bread. You know what he was doing? He was planting a seed. The people were hungry. It's 5,000 men plus women and children. They were hungry. They didn't have anything to eat. Andrew says, here's a little boy, but what is that among so many? What is this little kernel of corn among 5,000 plus people? And that little boy's hand's not so much. But when you take your seed and you put it in God's hand, God can break it, bless it, and multiply it, and use it to feed a multitude. I've sown a lot of wind in my life. And I've reaped some whirlwind. I want to start planting good seed. How about you? To bow our heads and close our eyes.